You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. While you're standing, go ahead and get your Bible. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. And we're going to read from the NIV translation. While you're looking forward, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the word today. Lord, we pray that you have your way. Father, as we lifted you up, we invite your presence into this sanctuary. And as your vessels, your called, your chosen, your peculiar people, we choose to give you glory today. We choose to give you honor today. For you are great and greatly to be praised. Amen. All right, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Y'all looking good today? Must be because it's 50-something outside. Boom. Yes. All right, okay, I'm sorry. (sighs) Thank you, Lord. Mm. All right, here we go. Let's read one verse all together as one unified body. One, two, three, ready, read. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Before you sit down, I need you to find at least two people looking straight in the eye and ask them this one question. Are you losing weight? They may buy you lunch. Just look them in the eye. Just ask them, are you losing weight? If you're trying to lose weight, just jog in place a little bit. Matter of fact, I am. Thank you, Lord. 180 calories today. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it all. Sometimes you got to speak those things that are not. As though they were. Come on, somebody. All right, you may be seated. So here we are. Week four installment of the 2020 Focus series. I got my shirt today, you know, 2020 Focus. I'm ready to go. We'll be on sale soon. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we are, week four. Anybody been here for the first three weeks? You know, okay. Who's made part one? Who hit two weeks? Who's been here for two weeks? Who's been here or came once in the last three weeks? Okay. Anybody here the first time in the last four weeks? Okay. Don't raise your hand. First of all, shout out to my pops. He is in the house today, sitting beside my wife. And when I turn 60, I want to look just like him. Lord, give me my hair back. Lord, let me lose some weight. And Aldine will be happy all of the days of her life. Amen. All right, so here we are with week four, just to kind of give a recap to bring everyone up to speed. Um, With 2020 Focus, our word of the year is focus. If you've been here within the last two or three weeks, if I do this. All right, so when I clap twice, you say the word. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to need you all today because what we're going to talk about Like some scriptures, when you read the Bible, you can just teach it and talk about it. 
But since we got good weather, I just feel like I got to preach it out today. So if y'all just be on good behavior, we're going to have a good time. We got 35 minutes. We're going to take communion. I'm believing souls are going to get saved. And you're going to go home and eat your kale salad so you can keep losing weight. All right. So week one, we talked about blind spots. So you can't focus if you can't see. Um, Whether you like it or not, there are certain areas of your life you can't see without being touched by God. You can have mentors, you can have life coaches, you can go to school, but all of us have blind spots. It may take one touch, it may take two touch, it may take a thousand touches, but as we reach towards God, he's able to give clarity and focus and heal our blind spots. Then we talked about distractions because many of us are able to see, but in this microwave generation, So many things are competing to get our attention. We talked about the distraction of pleasure, the distraction of priority, the distraction of preeminence, being able to make God number one. And then last week, Pastor Virginia tore it up. Give it up for Pastor V in the booth. She talked about our first love, which I'm going to build upon that when we looked at our foundation, making sure Christ becomes the center and love is the main point. And as we talk today, we're talking about right focus. As I started studying on Monday and preparing about what to share, God was just showing me that, hey, we're focused, but is your focus right? You can focus on a person you shouldn't be with. You can focus on a job, it's time to leave. You can focus on school and we can lose sight of our first love. We can lose sight of our purpose, our plan, and our mission. So as we go through, I want you to turn. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at the story of David, one of my main mans. I love David throughout the Bible. We got 1 Samuel. We got 2 Samuel. We see his highlights, his headlights, and his shortcomings. And when we read from 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're in a different place in David's life. This is not the David that just have a rag and a rock. We're talking about the stage of David's life, not when it's time to kill Goliath, not when he's just anointed to be the king of Israel. We're not talking about the period of his life when he's serving King Saul, playing the harp, and having javelins thrown at his life, at him. We're not talking about the period where David is running from his life in a cave and trying to be a warrior. But when we go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is at a point in a moment in his life where everything is starting to come together. At the age of 17, he gets anointed. And for 13 years, he's on the run trying to figure out was I really anointed for this season of my life? Did God make a mistake? And through this journey, we see David's focus. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. The person that was trying to kill him was delivered into his hand. And he said, I can't move on this because I have to focus on what God has told me to do. So let's give some context so you can respect the content. Second Samuel chapter 1. Saul and Jonathan is dead. David is grieving. He's upset. His best friend is gone. 
and he's trying to figure out what is going on. Yes, I want to be king, but I didn't want it to be like this. Second Samuel chapter 2, we got civil war. We got the house of Saul fighting to keep power. And now we see the house of David starting to come up. And in this civil war, the house of Saul is getting weaker and weaker, chapter by chapter, battle through battle. And the house of David is getting stronger and stronger. So then when we get to chapter 5, David is able to take over the kingdom. He's ruling the southern kingdom. He's ruling the northern kingdom. And everything in his life, again, is starting to come together. But then when we get to verse, in chapter number 6, verse number 1, actually, if you can go to the next chart. God told me like this, uh, am I missing one? Go back one with the power. Here's a question that we all have to wrestle with. When it comes to focus, how important is the presence of God in your life right now? When we get focused this year, these are the four things that normally come. Is your focus based on power? I want influence. I want to be the boss. I want to make decisions. Lord, if you put me in charge, I promise I can take care of this. Is your focus based on position? Whether that's from getting some certain type of house and car to be able to show your status? Or is your focus on getting money at the expense that you forget God's presence? David, when it's all starting to come together, 17 years of preparing, now he's the king. He has the power. He has the position. And he has all of the money and the ladies. And he said, there's something missing. Where is God's presence? It's cool to be king, but where is God's presence? Where is God's glory? Aren't we the children of God? Aren't we Christians? And nobody knows where God's presence is at. So when you think about focus, are you building your kingdom like the house of Saul? Or are you building it like the house of David? The house of Saul. Saul became king because of man. It was built on flesh. But the house of David was built by God. The house of Saul was about self. Let me take a selfie. Mm. Matter of fact, look at my congregation. Mm. Come on now. Or is it built on the Savior? There's apps right now where we can put on a facade. You can go to Photoshop. And while I look this size, I can put that app in and just squeeze my fingers in a little bit, get a sits pack. I can get my cheeks right. And if I brush real hard, the hair will come back. Self. The house of Saul. Or 
Are you building the house of David? Y'all with me? Okay, we're good. Don't fall asleep. Are you building your house on something that's going to last? Or is adversity going to come and it's going to fall down? So what do we see here? The house of David is all about structure. Structure is what took time. David got anointed to be king, but it took 13 years to build the right structure. 13 years to build a house that could withstand tornadoes, snow, hurricanes, earthquakes. 13 years for structure. Structure is the bridge to take you from surviving to thriving. I'm just surviving, just trying to make it through. It's the first of the month. Got bills to pay. It's hard out here. But I love Jesus. Surviving. How do I move forward? Structure. Foundation. I can walk on this stage right now because there's good structure. But if the structure, the stuff we can't see, if it's not tight, if it's not right, sooner or later, structure. Go to verse number one. So David is at a point in his life, and my notes close, where he's saying, I'm not trying to make my name famous. I'm trying to make his name famous. I saw what Saul did. He was focused on self. He was trying to become famous. But I want all the glory to go back to God. So when we see in verse number one and two, it says, then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all, and he led them to Baal of Judah to bring back the ark of God. Say, bring it back. The Christian life for all of us, you got to pursue it. No, we're not in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, they did not have Jesus. So when we see any references of the Old Testament, it's about God coming on them, God being around them. But in the New Testament, God is in us. But we release the ark of God through glory, through honor, and through praise. And so when we look at this story of David, he gives us some highlights of how to have God be number one in your life. Many of us are trying to go after and chase the wrong thing or using the wrong method because the ark of God is vital for worship. It's symbolic of God's glory. And he said, I can't rule in this kingdom without God being in front of me, without God being to my left or left and to my right and behind me. And if we're going to build this thing the last, to get the right structure, we got to go get it back. Isaiah 43 and 7, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created, whom for I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. That's all of us. We were created for his glory. We were created for his purpose. We have to walk in it. We have to talk in it. To give God glory is to go public. 
with the things that he has done in our lives. That is our goal. That is our mission. I know we're off brand today. I got a few jokes. Hold on. We're not taking a helicopter today. We just got to hit the runway, take our time. There's turbulence in the air. We got to just slow down. But I want everybody to get this so we can have 2020. All right. So what does it mean to go public? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This is in red. Jesus is talking. And he's saying, you are the light of this world. A town built on a hill. It can't be hidden. Some of our lights are covered. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Who are we lighting up? When we go to work tomorrow, are we lighting it up? Or do we put the lid on? When that person come around, <laughs> you feeling the blank? <laughs> are we lighting it up? Verse number 16, in this same way, Jesus is telling us, let your light shine before others. This can't just be a Sunday morning routine. Fill up. That they may see good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our deeds, the way we choose to live our life, is bringing glory or it's bringing shame to his name. If people are questioning, are you a Christian? Christian what? Christian who? What Bible are you reading? You must be reading the message, not the King James. Glory is us going public. Back to 2 Samuel verse number 3. Y'all good? Okay. This is when it gets crazy. Then they placed the ark of God on a new cart. Then they placed the ark of God on a new cart. On a new cart. Hold on to that. On a new cart. And they brought it from Abinadad's house, which was on a hill in Uzzah and Ahio. And Abinadad's son were guiding the cart. So last week, uh, two weeks ago, I went to a conference. It was off the chain. T.D. Jakes was in the house. Priscilla Shire was in the house. They had all of these amazing speakers and teachers. It was a C3 conference. It was all about creative church culture. The whole purpose and mission is not to be able to create an environment within church to be able to reach and win the loss. It was awesome. It was off the chain. There was over 5,000 people there. The technology the lighting, the amount of money they were spending is more than our, their one month of operating expenses is more than two years of our tithes and offering. And you start to see, and they start talking about artificial intelligence. I saw an article this morning about Burger King. They had robots making the sandwiches, burger, cheese, ketchup, mustard. I said, dang, the new cart, technology, so fast. Instantly, you can have it. You can want it. The lighting shows, the atmosphere, the banners, the screens, the projectors. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is awesome. But at the same time, we can buy all of this stuff. We can get the best singers. 
We can get the best dancers. We can say we're going to give $50,000 away next weekend and fill this place up. But it doesn't matter if we don't have the presence of God. You know, it's funny. If Jesus came to church, we would have to show him where to do, what to do. He don't know what an usher is. He don't know anything about a praise and worship team. He know about offering. He know about giving the word. He doesn't know where to sit. And so all of these things, the carts, one service we may preach first and then do music and welcome at the end, it doesn't matter. Do you have the presence? Do you have God's presence in your life? And in verse number four, they're starting off. They have located the ark. And David is very excited. Oh, can I have that? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're excited. And it's time for a parade. Let's shut the city down. Let's bring back the presence of God. Get the heart. Get the keyboard. Get the drums. Let's go. The whole city is shut down. God's presence is coming back to the house of God. Give them praise. It's on and popping because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. Ooh, y'all been in church too long. Ah. So this is bigger than a Macy's Day Parade. This is bigger than the 500,000 people that were here for the St. Louis Blues winning their championship. This is bigger than Patty, my homeboy, throwing touchdowns, winning the Super Bowl. This is the presence of God. Highways are closed. Streets are blocked off. Everybody in the city is ready for a celebration. But... <clears throat> Say, uh uh-oh, they're coming in, and what would they be singing? Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any. But then verse number six comes, and ah, let me just sit down on this one. But when they arrive at the threshing floor of Nacon, I think that's how you pronounce it. I would say bacon with an N. The oxen stumble. And Uzzah reached out his hand and studied the ark of God. Oh, oh, I need to talk to five people that are getting ready to break forth their new season. I need to talk to at least ten people. Here it is. When you get close... To get the presence of God back in your life, stumble if we modernize it into 2020, tripping. People gonna start tripping. I'm ready to get my business, and the bank rejects my loan. I'm ready to move, and my family start tripping. Expect the ox to trip when you're getting close for a breakthrough, on the road to destiny. Listen, on the road to destiny, 
you can expect potholes. On the road to destiny, you should expect to be rerouted. But I'm telling you, on the road to destiny, you'll come to a point and you meet Lot and you say, pick which way you want to go. I got to go the other way. On your road to destiny, Judah's going to be revealed. And some people that came with you this far cannot go into the next season with you. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, stop tripping. For real, stop tripping. I think about the whole pregnancy thing. My wife has been pregnant four times. The first trimester on her road to destiny for our child. Trimester number one. You're excited, but that morning sickness start to kick in. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Mm, I could tell a few stories, but I'm going to be good because I love my wife. Anyway, where my mother's at, make some noise. Okay. That first trimester, the morning sickness is real. But then the second trimester, you know, it should be a little bit better. People start to notice and say, are you? Yeah, girl, I'm pregnant. The first three months, they don't know, and then you start poking out. I got destiny on the inside of me. But, Lord, when you get the third trimester, it gets hard. You don't even want to walk anymore. Hallelujah. Get my food, ice cream, and pickles. But you're getting ready when the pain hurts the most. Don't give up when the ox starts tripping. God is ready to give you a spiritual epidural. There may be a moment where you got to push. And it's crazy. You start pushing, and you're hurt, and you're yelling, and some of y'all cussing, and then you birth the baby, and as soon as you go home, you say, let's do that again. What? What? After that exorcism I just seen, what? You tripping. Now let's bring that back. So some of us are feeling labor pains, and you're ready, and you're ready to give up. And God is saying, stay focused. Stay focused right there. If you just stay for a little while, this too shall pass. Just for a moment, the ox is going to trip. Let's go to the B clause. Mm. No, let's go to verse number seven. Then the Lord's, mm-mm. uh-oh, ooh, uh-oh, mm. oh. I need a word on this one. Hold up. Then the Lord's anger aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him dead. Yes, I studied that in the Greek and the Hebrew, and all of them still said dead. I was like, maybe this is like Adam and Eve when they died and they were still just alive and lost God's presence. But in the heat, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, some say surely dead, some says really dead, but it's dead. He is dead right there on the spot. We go from a joyful celebration to a fearful funeral. He's dead. 
wait, 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 wait. I thought God was dope. I thought Jesus was my homeboy. And he's dead for trying to help God out. So why is he dead? The Bible is very clear in Exodus and in Numbers. When you move the presence of God, there's a certain way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to carry the presence of God with Levites, the men of God that are serving in the priest on their shoulders. And David got excited with his new idea, with his new technology, and said, I'm going to do it another way, and people are dying. So what is other, other is an indication of what happens when we think God messed up, when we try to put our hands on something God said to stay away from. Not many clap because you're doing it right now. We try to help God out. I got an education. I got the job. I got a high IQ. I score high on my SAT. And we're styling and we're fly. And we can wear red shoes on the pulpit. And God is saying, I don't need your help. I got this all by myself. And other is when we try to help God, when we try to bring flesh into a spiritual situations, and we respond based on feelings versus faith. What does the Bible say? Mm, what does it say? To live by feelings and not by sight. Live by some of y'all got to read the Bible. Live by and not by sight. Okay, we're still good. Everybody good? Who's scared? So in verse number 9, and in verse number 8, which I didn't put on the screen, David is mad. He's upset. Now you went from Uzzah and the ox tripping. David is tripping now. David is upset. The leader, I don't care. I'm talking to leaders. I'm talking to pastors. I'm talking to business owners, those that want to do great things. I don't care how well you're executing right now. Sooner or later, something's going to happen, and you're going to start tripping. The best of us, me being pastor, I trip. I try to trip alone, or at least with my wife. But sometimes, ah. My ADD kits in. We don't follow the order of service. We go over a time, and I start tripping, and I start texting the associate pastor. What's going on? Hey, we missed that part. Transition. Come on, tripping. But let me just give you an example of one of the best people in this entire earth that we all know had a moment of tripping. Look at the screens. So here's my definition of what wellness means to me. Give this me some is my volume. definition, not yours, just an idea, because you're going to be defining it for yourself. Wellness to me means all things no, in balance. Maybe. And balance doesn't mean all things are wait, equal wait, 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 or wait. at peace at all times. Bam! Oh. Cut it, cut it, never mind. Do y'all know who that is? Oprah. How many times has she been on stage? How many places? Listen, this is how God works. I'm just sitting, chilling, watching YouTube this morning, getting ready, 
getting into my praise and worship. And the first feed that comes on, Oprah falls on stage. I said, oh, yeah, we're going to preach that today. Because you got to understand how many times you do well in life. I promise, when you get home, don't do it now. You go to Facebook, you go to Twitter, you go to Instagram. Everybody's going to share it. It's going to go viral. I promise. But just like Oprah, Oprah's not the king of kings. Oprah's not the Lord of lords. Oprah makes mistakes. And if Oprah makes mistakes, you're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. But we have to make sure when we fall down that we get back up. We didn't have the audio. You can clap. But in the video, Oprah is trying to give a definition of balance. And she fell. She's talking about imbalance is blah, 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 blah. And just like any good saint, she blamed it on her shoes. So the question is, what is your recovery process when you trip? What do you do when you fall down? Do you draw closer to God? Do you pull away from him? Do we blame God? What is your recovery process? Do you stop going to church? You know what? I'm mad at God and coming back until Easter. See you in six weeks. What is your recovery process when you trip? How do you overcome failures? Who do you talk to? Who do you speak to? It's funny, um, yesterday, when we look at the life of Uzzah and the punishment, it seems pretty severe, and it's rough, but God, while he's full of grace, while he's full of mercy, there's order. And a part of that order is given instructions. You do this, I'll do this, you do this, I'll do that. And it makes me think about yesterday, my son, um, he got a bike on Christmas. And because all of y'all crazy weather up here in St. Louis, we only rode it a few times. And when we went out, it's one of those bikes that has training wheels, and he goes really fast. And I'm talking to him, I'm like, if you really want to go fast, take the training wheels off. And he was like, no, I'm good. No, no, no. And I'm like, your friends, Andy, your friends, Elmer, they ride without training wheels. No, I'm good. And so all through January, when the weather was good, we tried to go out and ride the bike. And in February, I just kind of left them alone until yesterday. I said, we're going to the park. No swings. No training wheels. You're going to ride this bike today. So we go out. First of all, jealousy has set in. My daughter Hope has her motorized scooter, frozen, Riding around, one hand, chilling, looking at everybody else. Hey, how y'all doing? Wrecking in this stuff, looking good. And I'm here with my son. I'm like, you can go faster than her if you take the training wheels off. So I'm going, and when I hold the bike and walk with him, he will ride. But every time I let go, he put his foot down. He's looking at me, saying, hey, 
I'm like, come on. And we start arguing. I said, go to timeout right now. Get off that swing. Go sit on the bench. And he's mad and he's crying and he's upset. And I'm upset because I want to see him ride a bike. (laughs) And then Hope is still waving. Aldine don't know what to do. She was like, I love my son, but this is a lesson right now. And we do it again, and we're going back and forth. And then he gets a little bit better, take a few steps. But every time he, what happens, he looks back at me, and he stops. He looks at his mom, and he stops. He looks at hope, and he stops. So he gets distracted because everybody else is playing and having a good time, and he can't roll out. So just like any good father, I turned him over to mama. I can't deal with him anymore. I'm about to strike him, and it's going to be more than a bench. We paid a lot of money for that bike. And the mama's love. So I'm with Hope, chilling, and he's mad and upset. And about 10 minutes later, he got it. He started riding. Then he started turning. And he starts showing off. And God is talking to a lot of us, get off the training wheels in 2020. I know you're still going. I know you're making progress. But if you want to accelerate from surviving with training wheels, if you want to thrive, you got to take the training wheels off. You're more capable than you think you are right now. There's... I look at some of you, and it's like, oh, my Lord. They can do so much better. They need to leave him. (laughs) He needs to leave her. They're in their feelings. They won't serve. I'm trying to unlock a blessing, and they won't give a penny. Take off the training wheels. Take off the training wheels. And today, me and my son have a conversation. I said, let's go back to the park and let's ride. And he was excited. He's been running from the bike for three, for three months. And there are many of us, whether it's three months, four months, five years, six years, and you're holding on to the thing that God told you to follow him. Your recovery process is bad. You fell off the bike, and now you're on the ground, and you're still in a hissy fit. And you're saying, God, what about me? And he said, you need to pursue me. Go back and get your glory. All right. Next slide. John 15, 5, because here's the thing. God is a gentleman. He will let you continue to ride the training wheels as long as you want. And some of y'all are ignoring the Holy Spirit, which vis-a-vis Aldine, trying to help you. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. And Jesus is telling you, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If it ain't with me, you're building the house of Saul. But with me, we're building a house of 
David. Next slide, verse number 10. Ooh, we're almost done. Hold on to your feet. So David decided. He didn't pray about it. He didn't talk to the Levites. He didn't go look for wise counselors. But David got in his own feelings, and he decided not to move the ark of the Lord. What? After all of the things you've seen God do in your life, you want to push him away? You're worried about the new cart, the new toys? It's nice. And you're willing to push away God? Nope, I'm good. David, aren't you a man after God's own heart? And he's pushing away the cart. He is refusing the presence. See, when our emotions mm, start to get in the way, we begin to make bad decisions. Yes, God, know you love him. Yes, you're called and you're chosen. But if you allow your emotions to get in the way, you're pushing away the thing that's going to keep you. You're pushing away the things that provides the structure. Because you may become a king, but sooner or later, you lose it because you forgot. I've said this before, but when you get in your feelings, when you get in your emotions, you need to halt. Halt. Don't make decisions when you're hungry. Stay out the grocery store. Don't do it. I promise. That's the prophetic word. If you're hungry, don't make a decision. Don't allow yourself to be tempted. When you're angry, when you're lonely, or when you're tired. This is the enemy's playpen. And you can make a bad decision taking out a student loan. You got thirsty, and now it's become a compounding effect. Five years, 10 years, 20 years of a decision because your emotions got in the way. Take time. Take a deep breath because it's your focus which becomes the bridge for us to stop talking about it, for us to experience it. You've been talking about what you're going to do. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, but didn't because you lost focus. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. Mm. So, as a body of Christ, we're here to serve the audience of one. So you know some of the things? That was your cue, Stephanie. <laughs> the audience of one. That's why I don't preach every week. Because it ain't about who's on the pulpit. For some that was concerned during transition, because you were worried about the pulpit, and you forgot about the presence. And if I leave today, don't worry about the pulpit. Don't worry about the speaker. It's about the audience of one. I'm going to pause for effect. So we're not going to sing your favorite song every week. I'm sorry. <sighs> There's about eight songs, and if I could, we would sing them every week. 
But sometimes we'll sing our favorite, and I just have to push that aside and get my life focused on the audience of one. One, not your neighbor, not your boo thing, not to serve, but it's for the audience of one, him. When we come together as a unified body and we do things like a release service on Wednesday night where we just come to worship, it's a reminder for us to activate to be able to release our glory, to be able to release our worship. Because sometimes on Sunday, we're focused on getting people saved, getting people sanctified and teaching principles and concepts. But there's many of us that runs on empty. You come into church and say, give me, give me, give me, give me. But what are you going to give to him? That's the difference between a spectacular service in a supernatural service. Spectacular. See, here's the thing about spectacular. You can go to a certain conference right now. I can name a few names. They're going to have the lights. They're going to have the energy. They're going to have the money. And you will come and you will leave and you will feel great. But what we can do as the body of Christ is produce a super natural experience that money can't buy, that the cart can't afford. Supernatural happens when we have the presence of God. So we got to stop tripping. Stop tripping off of what you don't have. Stop tripping about who's here. Stop tripping about who's not here. Stop tripping about how much money you don't have. Stop tripping about your family. Stop tripping about your friends. Stop it. We're here for one. We're here to lift them up. We're here to give them glory. Because with his presence, only God's presence can bring healing. Only God's presence can touch your body. Only God's presence can change your life. He comes to heal the sick He comes to raise the dead. He comes to heal the blind. When we give him the focus of our attention. As we get ready to close, when we look at the focus, the things that we're doing, when David is willing to give up the glory God told me to tell you, what are your values? What are the things?